Hello, everybody. Quick update. This is going to be part one of two for episode three. So again, this is part one of two for episode three. Thank you and enjoy the show. PA Turnpot is brought to you free by the nice people at Anchor, which we'll get to a little bit later on. On today's episode, we're going to jump into the NFL season. It is the eve of opening night. We'll touch on Cowboys and Bucks. We'll talk a little bit of Eagles Falcons. We're going to have a guest on as well. Afterwards, we'll do a quick sports roundup from the week that was, as well as have our guest today, Rob, Richard DeGroat, the technical project manager for Ball Star. The three of us will preview the Philadelphia Eagles road game against the Atlanta Falcons, their expectations for the season, discuss the Ben Simmons drama, surprise he hasn't been traded at this moment of recording, and we'll give our WNLs of the week. We'll have some live updates on the Phillies game as they are playing currently. At the end of the episode, we're going to do our first and I guess our inaugural Trust the Parlay. We'll be jumping into some lines, some props, tomorrow's game in general. It's going to be a lot of fun. We appreciate you stopping by. Oh, yeah. But before we get started, we got to give a quick shout out to everyone who has supported us thus far. We've our reached we've reached our goal. I can't speak today, Rob. We've reached our goal of 50 subs. So here's a word from our sponsor, Anchor. Hey, Joel. Hey, Rob. Have you heard about Anchor? I mean, an anchor on a boat? Sure. Why? <laughs> no, you silly goose. Anchor, as in the all-around system for podcasting. Oh, awkward. Well, I bet it's something that you have to pay monthly just to host this podcast. Well, not so much. Real anchors will cost you about 600 to 800 bucks, and it'll keep you locked in place. This one is freer than a free sample at Sam's Club. It doesn't keep you still. It'll take your podcast to the moon. Hey, promise me it's not a Bezos kind of rocket to the moon, and I'm down. And there's more. Anybody signing up can make money from day one with no minimum listenership. Don't need to worry about fumbling any bags or having any Rogan-type following. So where can the PA Turnpot listeners go to check it out? Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Sheesh. Sheesh. It's me, it's me. It's that R-O-B spacebar G. We welcome you to PA Turnpot episode three. Oh, With man, me today, a 7-2 center from Kansas, number 21, Joel, the podcast. And bi- Roman, what's up? Sheesh. I wish I was that tall. Uh, not much, man. Another day. Glad to be on with you. It's another Wednesday night for the Bullfrog. Nice Wednesday. Uh, it's not storming outside, so our, our audio shouldn't get all wonky like it did last week. At yeah, least no. for now. Let me knock on wood. Yeah, right. And no uh, two Zooms set up like we did last time. Yeah, we don't have to worry about limits like last week. But there is something special about today. Not rain, though. It is a birthday of a young king, Mr. Rob Van Grable. How does it feel? being 26 not good i uh, i'm closer to 50 than i am to birth which is terrifying um <laughs> and i've officially broken my streak of what would have been four years consecutively where i wear a jersey or a t-shirt of a player who wears the number of my current birthday uh my 23rd birthday i went with lebron 24th i went with an eagles jordan Howard jersey 
Jesus. And then uh, last year I went with a uh, Ben Simmons t-shirt and the only 26 I have in my closet right now is a Le'Veon Bell Jets jersey. And I thought I would get struck by lightning if I wore that. So <laughs> I decided against it. I made an executive decision. We'll pick it up next year. I'll wear like a trout jersey or something next year if I'm still alive. But bro, you made an executive decision to pick a Tom Brady Tampa Bay Buccaneers jersey, number 12. Dude, you could have went with Chase Utley, the GOAT. Why would you go with Tom Brady? Why? Because my Chase Utley jersey is a large, and I barely fit into a medium as it stands right now. So if you don't want to see me wearing a smock, I had to go with this. Plus, tomorrow he plays, and it's the only thing I have. I don't have any Cowboys gear, so I had to wear a Tampa jersey, and I don't have any Jameis or Gronk stuff. So this was kind of my only choice. And um, I'm pretty sure that we both don't own anything Cowboy related. So, yeah. Not even anything. I have a, I was thinking about getting a Cowboys trash can, but I figured, no, they're going to get money from like the royalties and stuff on that. So let me get away from that. I don't think I would even disrespect my trash can like that. No. I, I had to buy I, I, <laughs> I'll probably end up buying an Astros trash can, but we'll get to them later on. Sheesh, these Astros. But for those who are not watching the clips or anything like that, I have an Eagles hoodie. So look at that. Eagles, Tom Brady. We're ready to go. I'm very surprised, though, you yeah. didn't pick Michael Jordan for number 23 or Kobe for 24. Well, I didn't have a Jordan jersey. And uh, Kobe, I couldn't care less about. How dare you? Uh, also, the Eagles, were, the Eagles were playing on my birthday when I was turned 24, so I had to go with an Eagles jersey. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Rob. I think it's time for our quick hits around the sports and entertainment roundup. What do you got? For the NBA. Well, DeAndre Jordan... Uh, this past week was traded from the Brooklyn Nets to the Detroit Pistons and then immediately bought out. He got traded for what Jalil Okafor and like a, a thousand second round picks and a bunch of cash. The uh, moving parts, the sense, I don't know if it's happened yet, but the sense is that he's going to go to the Lakers because they need a hundred centers because Anthony Davis refuses to play in the post. Um, do you think that, uh, yeah. Do you think that the Lakers are now more of a favorite in the West? Does this move, move the needle like at all for you or? It's just going to put more pressure on them. It's putting more pressure on them for sure. I mean, well, that it goes without saying. It's, you have the King, LeBron, all the expectation, all the hype, especially, you know, Kobe, the allure of the Lakers. But uh, you're putting more pressure, which they probably thrive on and whatnot. But, I mean, if you don't even get out of the first round, the second round, whatever round, if you don't make it to the final, it's a loss. If you don't win the final, it's kind of a dumb loss season. Yeah. In their case, anyway, I would think. Um, it's just putting more pressure, but it's just people chasing rings at this point, which is kind of sad. A, they have a lot of experience there, though. I mean, they have a million bigs. So, I mean, if they do get to the point where they have to play against a Jokic or, God willing, an Embiid later on in the playoffs, they, they have guys that can use their fouls at least. I mean, what do they have? They still have Gasol. What's left of him anyway? They have um, they, they signed Dwight Howard back. What's left of him? And now they have DeAndre Jordan, whatever's left of him. So they got three skeletons. And if Davis grows a set of balls, maybe he'll play some center, but who knows? Um, do you think DeAndre is going to, I mean, it's tough to ask him to get back to his Clipper self, maybe in a smaller role, he can kind of excel a little bit. What do you think? Uh, do you think he'll revitalize himself or do you think he just ends up getting bought out at some point? Cause he's kind of washed. I think he'll revitalize himself. I mean, you have Russell Westbrook as a capable point guard. Forgot I mean, about that. He'll be a ball hog in his own right. So I don't know how much, I mean, he is a triple King God out there half the time. So, he doesn't have to do it all, but old habits die hard. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, I would like to see DeAndre Jordan say maybe revitalize that lob city mentality, give LeBron some well rested time. But LeBron's like kind of anal. He'd be like, Nah, I want to be on the floor. I want to make sure we win. Yeah, 
Imagine them going like 0 and 3 or like 1 and 4. Oh, the world would collapse. You know, so we'll get into this more like further Lakers down the line. Yeah, if their Twitter fans aren't going nuts. We'll get into this a little bit deeper when we get to our NBA preview. But I think the, the big thing that I've taken away from this is they're just trying to build a team that has tons of depth because they want to be a good regular season team, not run into the same issue they ran into this year where they got to play against you know a good team in the first round. Russell yeah. Westbrook, for all of the negatives that you can kind of attribute to him, he's a very good regular season player. Whether you can win a title with him, we'll find out. But they're putting together a team that is, while it's old, they have a lot of guys. So like any given night, you know, an Anthony Davis or LeBron James can take the night off and Westbrook's probably not going to take any nights off the old guys, they can kind of just cycle through and keep them fresh for the playoffs. So I think this is more of like a regular season move to get them to the finish line healthy. So we'll see. Yeah, um, Paul Millsap, by the way. Sheesh. Paul Millsap, the guy who kept them beat out of the All-Star game in 2017. He was the last man named to the uh, Eastern Conference All-Star game because we really just wanted to see a guy set picks and take mid-range jumpers instead of a rookie dunk on people. Um, he decided to sign with the Nets as well. Um, this is actually a pretty good under the radar signing what do you uh what do you make of it dude i was shook i was like paul Millsap, the paul Millsap guy from denver what the fuck like, i mean excuse my french but my goodness and of all teams the nets the nets and the lakers are just getting bigger and bigger and more powerful but more pressure on them for sure on the coast anyway uh i think denver lost a key player even though he got pretty much replaced by aaron gordon coming in i think paul Millsap is a, a sleeper pick just like you said it's a under under what you call it under the radar signing as you will yeah i think it's more of a regular season move for them too it's another guy with experience um he was on that hawks team in what 2015 or 16 that uh, like all five starters one player of the month he's got a good amount of experience he doesn't seem to be an issue or anything um it seemed like denver was ready to go with gordon anyway so um joining him in brooklyn is lamarcus aldridge who had the scary you know heart condition or heart issue a few months ago thankfully he's back and healthy um, the mid-range, the mid, literally a mid-range king himself. So <laughs> I think he fits really well on that team. He's another guy, small ego, kind of just ready to go win a championship for Christ's sake. I mean, he's been in the league a little while. Um, it's nice to see him on like a, a true contender because I think his value will will shine through in the playoffs for sure. What do you think? I mean, that's wild to say because he started off with Portland mm-hmm. they were pretty well. Then he moved to San Antonio, another you know, pretty well-established team, but nothing – I guess it's just the system. I think maybe he's a. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he, what positions he played. Maybe he jumbled around. I don't know. Well, but, he, when he was with Portland, he was very, very young, and that was a very that was a young Damian Lillard and a young Lamarcus Aldridge. So, and I I don't know for sure if he played with Odin, but Odin obviously fizzled out pretty quickly. That's such a sad story. Um, and then you know the Spurs. That was in the midst of the the um the Warrior dynasty. So there's they had no real shot to win a title, especially when. Kawhi was purposely injured by the the big oaf on the uh, Warriors, and the transition um, out of uh, Duncan and Ginobili and that. Yeah, letting Parker go. Parker on the Hornets was like the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's it, I thought Brady on the Bucks was going to look weirder than that. I don't think anything's going to ever look weirder than Tony Parker in a friggin' a, uh, a Hornets jersey. Yeah, that was. Weird. Um, and- what team do you think is more desperate to win a title this year? The, uh, the Nets or the Lakers. It seems like the, the Lakers window might be smaller because they have so much of like an older roster. But the, I mean, Brooklyn, I feel like that could spontaneously combust at any moment. I think Brooklyn for sure. I mean, because it wasn't like what, COVID, the bubble year, the, the Lakers won it all. 
So, I mean, yeah, you take a break off for Giannis or Giannis to get it. Um, out of nowhere, the Nets were like an up, you know, upstart team. You know, they had Jared Allen, I believe. Yeah. They had a young team. And then all of a sudden, overnight, Kyrie, DeAndre Jordan at the time, LaMarcus Aldridge, um, Katie, obviously, Harden now. Um, what's the guy? The Freckles, Lob City King himself, Griffin. Oh, uh, Blake, Blake Griffin. Yeah. I'm the white boy, Joe Harris. Joe Harris. The three-point poppy who's now on the bench. High motor boy. High motor boy for sure. And now you got Paul Millsap and whoever else it can get. I mean, I think they're just... Oh, Patty, Patty Mills. Patty Mills also, right. yes. Another enormous under-the-radar. So he kills the Sixers. Dude, don't remind me. Yeah. And that's also backup for Kyrie whenever he gets, like, you know, in his bag and whatnot, if he's mm-hmm. going through his personal stuff, he can get some rest in minutes, and then you got Patty Mills. He's capable. And for sure. And he, he's a, a guy that's been around a while, and he's he's got, you know, he's got the experience. He played with Pop forever. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm thinking, what you call it? For sure, it's Brooklyn, who's like desperate to win now. That fan base, I have a coworker. He is like, the Brooklyn Nets, we're going to win it all. Well, he ate shit yes, last season. He's going to eat shit this year. I think Giannis and potentially, I mean, no spoilers, because we're going to get into the Ben Simmons talk later with our guest Richard DeGroat, but Ben Simmons possibly destination in Cleveland or, dare I say, Toronto. I guess we'll see. Sheesh. But yeah, my answer is uh, Brooklyn. How about you? Who do you think is more? Uh, I think so too. I think Brooklyn. Um, yeah. Even though the Lakers are older, I think that they have a uh, kind of like a more like defined direction. I feel like Westbrook will maybe be there for a few years. Obviously, LeBron's probably there for the rest of his career. Davis, when LeBron eventually retires, Davis will be the guy. I think that's the idea. Brooklyn, you don't know. Um, you know, KD, feel it seems like he just wants to go someplace and win on his own, which is Brooklyn for him. Um, Kyrie, same thing. They're, they're not getting any younger, but they're not as old as LeBron. Um, but I feel like that could just spontaneously combust without a good leader kind of. And, and Steve Nash is like a, a very inexperienced coach. Granted, he was an assistant, but, you know, as, as a head coach, even Kyrie last year said that they can win without a coach. And they don't even need one. So I guess we'll see what happens there. I think the, um, it's going to be tough for the Nets to contend with Giannis. I mean, it, I, I, for one, I'm guilty of thinking every year that the Sixers got bumped out, that they would have beat whoever was left. And I think that going into the the Hawks and Bucks series, I kind of felt like, oh, this is this is ridiculous. This is torture. Like the Eagles would beat the I'm the Eagles. The Sixers would beat this stupid Bucks team and they would do it without a problem. And then the Bucks go and win a title. So shows what I know. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, um let's uh hit the diamond. How about them fightings? How about, about them the fightings? Yeah. Uh, well, they're at the time of recording. They're actually playing, I believe, the third and is it the final game of the series against Milwaukee? I would. Think I don't so. have a schedule in front of me. They're they're tied right now in the fourth inning. This game feels like it's been on for three hours already. Jesus. And, and two, yeah, God. So it's three three in the third and the fourth inning. They just from, at, at the end of recording last week, they played uh, Miami, who they always struggle with. And we mentioned that they're going to eventually break this team's hearts, but they kind of got beaten up by uh, Miami. They beat up on the Nats prior to that, and then uh, they just destroyed Milwaukee game one and got destroyed in game two. Uh, <laughs> literally like a microcosm of the <laughs> the last like four years of the Phillies. It's just losing to Miami and just winning, losing, winning, losing, one step forward, one step back. Um, luckily, Kyle Gibson has been a nice pickup for them, and 
it's a shame we weren't doing this podcast prior because I would have probably gushed about him at the deadline because he's one of those like random solid guys that people are pissed off about them getting because he's not a Chris Bryant or, you know, a big name that a lot of people were, were kind of hoping for at the deadline, but he was just like a solid guy and they got him for Spencer Howard, who's nothing at this point. He's no uh, Javier Baez. Javier Baez, who, by the way, we found out the earring that we thought was twenty grand last week, it was actually two hundred grand. So I guess he had a little bit more of a, you know, a gripe with what was going on. Uh, supposedly, he never found that earring, which is feels like cap because I think that uh, it was probably just in his jersey somewhere. Or if my ass was down there, if I if you made me get on my hands and knees looking for this earring, I would have put it in my pocket, parlayed that, yeah. sold it. Yeah, right. I wouldn't got near Valley. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I'm already thinking about our parlay later on. Uh, oh, I can't it. wait to talk about it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I would have got value for it, like 200k, but I would have got a bag for it for sure. For sure. Um, but hey, man, since we're on the Phillies, talk to me. Talk to me about Aaron Nola, Aaron Nola. What's up with him, man? Where does it? Where do we go from here? Aaron Nola, who I, I so in fairness, I sarcastically said at the beginning of the season that he was the Phillies' number three pitcher because Wheeler, I thought I felt like outperformed him last year, and I'm a huge Zach Eflin fan. I was wrong about him being a number three. He's probably a number five now because uh, Wheeler and Eflin, Suarez and Gibson are so much better. Now, Nola, I mean, for all of his his struggles, I said before, it felt like he was close to getting it, you know, back on track. Yeah. He just got blown to pieces yesterday by the Brewers. And I guess that felt like it was coming because the Brewers got shut out the previous night. But when you get your your butt kicked the way that they got their butt kicked yesterday without even like really putting up a, a fighting, you know, putting up a fight at all, then... I don't know. It's just demoralizing it. He went from being one of the most reliable starters in the national league, except against the Marlins to now being, you know, a complete coin flip. Every time he goes out there, I feel more comfortable, obviously Wheeler, even though he's had some struggles lately, but I feel more comfortable with Rangers Flores and Kyle Gibson at this point, even the bullpen game, mm-hmm. when they do that in place of Matt Moore, now that they've decided to do that, I feel like, 51% confident in those. I feel like 45% confident in Nola, man. Like he, he, his stuff is good, but it looked like crap yesterday. He was just flat. The curveball was hanging. The fastball didn't have any movement on it. I don't know what's going on, man. Maybe it's the sticky stuff from a few months ago, but Bro. I'm a little concerned. I'm not, I'm not out on him by any means. I still think that he will get back to being a number two starter, which thank God they signed Wheeler last year to be basically an ace now. But I think if if Nola doesn't get it back on track, that's a huge concern going forward because they don't have a ton of pitching depth in the minor leagues. Yeah, I was just gonna say, do you think it is the sticky stuff, or do you think it's just the course of the season and you know teams just figure out the scouting report, or he's just going through a rut mentally? You know how baseball is with their quirks. Yeah, I. So I'm obviously no expert. Um, he's not your prototypical starting pitcher, especially top of the rotation starting pitcher nowadays. Like you look at a Garrett Cole. You look uh-huh. at even even a Zach Wheeler, Degrom, um, a Walker Bueller. These guys are all throwing ninety five plus, and then they have you know sink and cut and everything. He relies on placement. He relies on control. Um, his two seamer has some run on it. When that thing is on, it's virtually unhittable. His curveball is kind of ridiculous, but you know he doesn't exactly have a, you know a crazy deep repertoire. So when he's not hitting his spots, it's very easy to barrel him up because his fastball sits in the low nineties. I believe a few weeks ago, uh, we were going to record the night that he almost had the perfect game and we decided not to. <laughs> um, that night, I believe he threw like the fastest per- pitch of his career or like the third p- fastest pitch of his career it was like 95 point something miles an hour when he struck out his brother. So he's not exactly you know dialing it, dialing it up. 
So when he's not hitting his spots, it's a, it's an issue. And I think maybe this diggy stuff has something to do with that. But oh, I mean, uh, who am I to suspect anything with that? Yeah, for sure, man. And uh, lastly, before uh, we switch uh, complete sports here, Eflin, give me the Eflin report, man. Oh. The playoff rotation guy? We'll yeah, Zach Eflin. Eflin. Zach Eflin felt like he would potentially be the number two or number three in a playoff series, uh, especially the way with, you know, the way Nola has kind of spiraled out of control. Unfortunately, you know, he is banged up once again. He's going to have surgery on his patellar tendon. He's out six to eight months, which is a little concerning because that might push his timetable a little bit further than uh, opening day next year. Granted, if he comes back healthy, it's fine, but it does kind of stink because you have to go into the season with a big question mark in the rotation, at least early on. Um, and it seemed like last year he kind of turned a corner. He was up and down his entire career. Um, you know, when he was on, he was on, but when he was off, he was getting destroyed. And, you know, he went away from his four-seamer into his two-seamer uh, down the stretch in 2019, and he actually – his strikeout numbers went up. His You know, his barrel rate went down. Con- the hard contact was going down. And then last year it really felt like he was figuring it out. And then early on this year he looked awesome. Mm-hmm. And even up until his last few starts, I have him in fantasy, so I have like his game log that I can see sometimes. Up until his last start, which is like I would imagine the start that he started to feel weird in his in his knee, he was still doing pretty well. Um, it's just it's a shame because he was a guy that you thought you could rely on and hope that you could, and you know thought maybe he would factor into the future plans. And I think he still does, but it sucks in the short term. But he's out six to eight months with uh, some surgery on the knee. Uh, get well soon, though. He's honestly he really is one of my favorite players. Yeah, man. Condolences. I mean, hopefully for a speedy recovery for a uh, good old Eflin right there. I mean, the Phillies do need him. Yeah, it's a shame. I Never like rotation. him. Never rotation's better with him, isn't it? Joel? Let's go. What time is it? It's clobbering time. Well, it was clobbering time a it few was, days yes. ago. Jeez. So, um, anybody out there, Joel was nice enough to give me his Bleacher Report login. And I watched my first pro wrestling pay-per-view in eight years, I believe. And only like my third one since like 2004. Um, you you might be better off explaining what the, what the event was because I just knew it was a bunch of guys I kind of heard of, and then a bunch of guys that looked like guys I heard of, and then a couple guys that I remember from my childhood who looked nothing like they used to. <laughs> That's for sure. If you don't remember, guys, at the end of the last episode, I kind of threw in the pro wrestling, like what you got to watch this weekend, and it was AEW All Elite Wrestling's biggest pay per view of the year, All Out, happened this past Sunday. And my goodness, it was a five-star pay-per-view. Probably the best pay-per-view of the year so far. Um, they deliver it every time they're out there. And uh, good old wrestling, just like Rob said, some wrestlers of the past from the mothership, a.k.a. WWE. Got some people from the independent scenes who are big in the wrestling world. Very, very talented, by the way. I don't mean to cut you off, but very, very uh, talented. I was really entertained. And that's the best part. Like, like you said, you haven't watched wrestling in seven to eight years. For forever, yeah. It. You gave it a chance. I was like, look, just watch it. You'll enjoy it. And plus, yeah. the big caveat was the return of CM Punk. After seven years of absence, he's yeah. finally back, and he wrestled his ass off. Yeah. I mean, knocked off the dust, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, So, yeah, ironically, I guess coincidentally, the, uh, the last two pay-per-views I watched before this one were both, I think, in 2013, and they were both to watch him. Um, <laughs> I've read sports. So people were, I guess, pretending to know what they were talking about on Twitter, and he was supposed to end the st- Streak at WrestleMania, so I watched it, and he lost. And then he he had like uh, what a street fight against Lesnar, which I watched, and that's all I really remember. So I guess I, I guess I'm just a CM Punk stan. I guess I don't know. 
year mark. It's good to see him back, though, even though I, I wouldn't have had any idea if he was gone. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> Didn't he do UFC for a, a brief moment? He got his ass kicked. Um, come on, man. Let's, just, let's, let's, let's gloss over that a little bit. That was, yeah. Yeah. That was a 0-1. I mean, 0-1-1. and It's a no contest because the first fight that he lost got turned over because his opponent got popped for marijuana. Oh, okay, so, that counts. For on the record, he's zero and one. Yeah, he's really zero and two. You want to kind of briefly kind of speed through this? I have some notes on the pay per view. If you want to give any of the uh, notes you have, um, I I only have a handful, so I I don't want to waste too much or talk too much about it. Yeah, because we have a uh, Richard DeGro on deck. Yeah, patiently. He's on deck. Um, well, and we're already a, running long. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're already almost an hour in. Um. Well, this was originally supposed to be a 10-match card. The one match did not go through because of travel restrictions. Thank you, COVID. You fuck. Um, but it was a solid nine-card pay-per-view. We kicked it off with uh, the TNT champion Miro versus Eddie Kingston. Any notes on that, uh, Mr. Rob? Uh, so the only note I had was Miro. I heard the name, and I thought it was Marvelous Mark Miro, but it wasn't. Um, no. So I was actually kind of let down. I said... Not marvelous Mark Miro, but I'll take it. Good opener, not, not too long. I was cooking while they were doing this, and I was kind of glancing at my phone, and it was I thought it was fine. Yeah, it was a good match. Um, it was a good opener. The the crowd was hot, so, and uh, Miro retained his belt. Next was uh, Dean Ambrose. Well, it's John Moxley, formerly known as Dean Ambrose, the member of the Shield for WWE. He took on Japan new, new Japan Pro Wrestling's Satoshi Kojima, in a good uh brawl. And it was a good fight, back and forth for sure. Heavy hitters. Um, another great match. The crowd was hot for this. Rob, any takes for that one? What are your notes? Uh, I didn't really write any notes. I, I watched this one sparingly because I was cooking at the time, but it was entertaining from what I saw. I, I kind of liked it. Um, it was it was like kind of fast paced, but like kind of. I know the crowd was into it. That's probably why I was entertained by it. And then they had the post match shenanigans yeah. when it was a debut from a legend, and it wasn't uh, Hideki Matsui. Oh. Uh, it wasn't Godzilla. It wasn't Godzilla. I forgot the name is slipping my mind right now, but it's a hardcore legend out in Japan, and both their styles basically match. They're like two of the craziest people in their respective promotions. So that and they went head full of force with the forearms. Um, oh yeah, blood. I was yeah that Moxley guy by the way is really good. I I didn't realize how good he. I was entertained by him the entire time, and I, when I watched, um, I saw a couple of clips on. Um, on Twitter of him, and I thought he was uh thought he was pretty good. Oh yeah, for sure, man. John Moxley is one of the best in the world, and it's a shame how WWE, uh, like most of their wrestlers, they kind of scripted and put them down from their potential. Yeah. And you see when they leave the mothership, what potential they're really all about. Supposedly, uh, he went one on one with Minoru Suzuki tonight on um on the TV show that they do every week on TNT. So yeah, eight, I wonder how that was. Point. Surprised they gave that away for free. I felt like it should have been a pay per view thing. Well, the thing is, there are they are also in Cincinnati, Ohio, as Belichick said, we're on Cincinnati. Yes. Um. So it's Moxley's hometown. So I would think Moxley. Oh, uh, okay. I got gotcha. you. It's a nice little. Maybe know, they'll have a rematch. I don't know how they book stuff anymore. Yeah. Um. Nothing like WWE. I can tell you that much. You won't see repetitive matches week in and week out. Couldn't tell you. I mean, I would have my gripe of the week. I think I have a gripe, and it's WWE. I don't want to go into it because we're running long and we have a guest. But yeah. For a future WWE, you're on my shit list. You're on my gripe list. Watch out. All right, that. we'll jump. Uh, the the cage match, 22 minutes. I wrote it was really good action. It was a lot of enter- It was very entertaining. It was actually really cool. 
Dude, it was uh, the best match, the, best match of the card. By not by far. Best match. Could have been longer and I would have been fine with it. Dude, you gave me a stat, it was as long as the next uh event, the next match, it was, which is the women's it, battle it was, royal. It was five seconds longer. It was twenty two oh five. The women's thing was twenty two even. According to Wikipedia. So I you or your your brothers and sisters could have edited that for all I know. Sure. Uh, I don't have any notes for the next one. I just I just wrote who is Ruby Soho. Uh, Ruby Soho, I mentioned it also on the podcast, who might be debuting. And there was a few debuts. We already mentioned one, not Godzilla, not Hideki Matsui. And uh, this one, Ruby Riot, who was known as that in WWE, is now Ruby Soho. 11-year pro, um, veteran, well-liked universally around the league, I mean, wrestling world. And uh, here's, a, here's a little nugget, Rob. She was at WWE for several years. And the entire time on TV, she's never fought for the belt, either solo or in tag team, and she was a part of a faction. Never went for the belt. Here she is, debuts on this pay-per-view, and wins the Battle Royal to get a shot with the one-on-one, gets a shot one-on-one with the champion, Britt Baker. Look at that. Her first match ever on this new promotion, and she gets a title shot for the first time in her career. Works for me. Good props for uh, Ruby Soho. The next one, the only name I knew. (laughs) (laughs) So you want to see my, my notes for this? Shoot. Jericho match was great. Looks like he's moving at 0.75% speed compared <laughs> to what I remember. I wrote, so his opponent was MJF. Yes. Is that correct? Maxwell wrote, Jacob Friedman. Whatever. MJF <laughs> is wearing Flair. He said, I wrote, MJF is wearing Ric Flair's gear. Chris Jericho is wearing Ric Flair's torso. Because um, <laughs> his skin looks terrible. Um oh, he did one springboard off the middle rope. I thought he was going to break the ring. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised he survived the uh, the little line. So I thought the ending was cool, though. What do you think? I thought it, I was entertained by it. I, I was actually kind of into it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely for the crowds, too. Because, like, the stipulation yeah. was if Jericho loses to this kid, Jericho would basically be done with wrestling. So He sold that high. pretty well, too. Oh. Yeah. On his entrance, I, I kind of bought that he was done because he, he looked like he was going to cry. He looked like he was just soaking in everything in on the entrance. I was like, oh, this sucks. He's going to lose to some schmuck I've never heard of. Yeah. And I actually like the other guy, too. The other guy was pretty good. He's the best heel in the entire wrestling world. Yeah, I, I agree. He's good. He's fantastic. And he's young, too. So he could be... Yeah, I, I kind of like that, dude. Yeah, he looks like a prick, but I feel like you need to do that if you're going to be a bad guy. So, yeah, I'm in on him. I like that guy. Dude, I'll show you some... I'll send you some clips after the show. YouTube interviews with this guy. He stays kayfabe the entire time. Really? He's never out of character. You rarely see him out of character. Oh, good. So he, he gets it. So if you ever get the pleasure of interviewing MJF, he'll berate you and make fun of you and make you feel like shit while interviewing. But then probably right after the cameras, he'll give you a hug probably. probably oh, he'll fit guy. right in. We should get him on the pod. Yeah, right? <laughs> All right. What is, what's next? I don't, course, I can't read. The Big Kahuna, CM Punk versus Darby Allen. Ah. The big, the big match was right after that. Right. Um, I wrote, um, I'm sorry, do you want to go? Oh, no. It's just that the crowd was very hot. Obviously, it's in Chicago, hometown of CM Punk. The return of CM Punk, seven years in the making. And uh, my takeaway, great match. Ring Rust knocked it off. But uh, I did see two glaring things. Uh, One, an old-school Washington Wizards jersey smack in the second (laughs) row on frame. It threw me off. And it was <laughs> it wasn't the new jerseys of the Wizards. It was no, it was a Michael disgusting Jordan. the Jordan era, yeah. Yeah. Like a Ty Lu jersey. And then if it wasn't for you, I would have missed this, but apparently there was a Cody Parking 
Parky so, jersey signing. Side so it was not it was number one. So it could have just it could have been a Justin Fields jersey, which is probably what it was more likely. But the, my first yeah. thought is that it's either like super fan or this guy has a freaking <laughs> Cody Parky jersey on. My notes for this one. Yeah, Punk looks really good. He looks just like he did eight years ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, minus like the Wolverine sideburn thing. Uh, the other guy is pretty good. The other guy looks like a little like Slim Shady. Um, I called him Stan because he reminded me of Stan from that uh the Slim Shady song. Oh shit. Um, <laughs> um, but I liked him and I thought the the most uh like the the most perfect part of the entire like I guess segment or whatever was during the entrance when they kept cutting back and forth. Yeah, this dude didn't break character at all. He, he kind of just like had that like angry look on his face and he he looked very like it looked like he knew what he was doing for sure he looked um, super young too oh yeah he's very young and shout out to yeah. the production crew for doing those uh edits fade in and fade out going cutting back to punk as he's walking down and then cutting back to alan who was in the ring staring him down it was perfect as you were as we discussed in the moment it felt like a big time fight oh yeah it was kind of cool actually it was awesome um next one. <laughs> oh my goodness um so the next one was uh was Paul White with his shitty entrance music. I wrote this is a popcorn match. Um oh, for sure. I actually went to the bathroom and I was glad I came back and it was over. He looks awful. And JR said big show by mistake, <laughs> which feels like a lawsuit. So I don't know. That was just a train wreck. They they would have been better off just coming out and throwing t shirts into the crowd or something versus that because Big Show probably got hurt. I feel bad for the guy that had to work with him. I think Vishu got hurt just walking down the ramp. Let alone yeah, he it, he looked like he was in pain, the poor guy. He's dropped a lot of weight, and he looks amazing, but he looked like he was in pain. <laughs> uh, he'd be uh, QT Marshall or Marshall Matters. Not to be uh, not to be mistaken with QT Pie. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then uh, we had our main event. Take it away, Rob. Uh-oh. You hyped you hyped this Omega guy up so much. This guy looks like Al Snow. <laughs> that ruined it for me. He looked like a bozo. Christian deserves better is my first note. Um, hey, uh. <laughs> I wrote Omega good heel, but his promo sucked. Um, At the end. Don't yeah, don't talk about CM Punk if you're not going to feud with him. Okay. That feels like a misstep. For context. The match was like, fine. I, I thought it was pretty good. It was good for what it is. Um Basically, yeah. Omega, he doesn't have a specific style. He just works with your strength. So if yeah, you're you were explaining Omega, that to me. He goes with your strength. So he's one of the best in the world, but he's not in his prime. His prime was back in Japan, but he's renowned as the best in the world. He is the champion. Um, and the promo wasn't one... the greatest. Well, I'm sorry. World. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask a question. Yeah, um, so they, they obviously ponied up the money to get Living Color, um, Cult of Personality for CM Punk. Um, I would assume I don't really keep up with the bands that make the music for these events, but I would imagine they paid money for like the uh, the actual song for the event because it said on Wikipedia it was by Cypress Hill. Um, Jericho, they don't have to pay anything because he does his own music. Yeah, they Christian came out to a really really crappy knockoff of an Evanescence song. Is there any particular reason they couldn't just pay for the real song since they were already buying music and they're buying all these old guys anyway? Because that made him yeah. look like a total bozo. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's probably because uh, the artist is asking for way too much money. Otherwise, it would be done deal. Because I mean, uh, is Evanescence still a thing? They should be grateful sure. anybody's listening to their stuff. How dare you? Amy Lee is up there. I guess. Whatever. That's the top five in the future. She's up there. Um, but yeah, do you know the song called uh, Final Countdown by Europe? Yeah. That was supposed to be 
Brian Danielson's uh, song in AEW, who debuted at the end of the show. He was supposed to come out to that, but Europe wanted a lot of money, like a that's truckload a, of money. That's, that's a big song, so I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, he used to before when he was, I believe, in Ring of, Ring of Honor or some other independent. Like he Instead, he used like a Superman rap music song. I don't know. Uh, it was wild, but uh, yeah, Andy cool. Bryanson re- uh, debuted, and also Adam Cole, the big uh, surprise. He he signed with so AEW. I wrote fake HBK, and then I looked Jesus. him up and found out he was trained by him, and then it made a little bit more sense. Um, I thought Jr. made up for him screwing up in the previous match by the call that he <laughs> made when Danielson came out. Yeah. Um. The the chants are stupid, but the crowd went nuts, so I guess they were. So it's I guess that's fine. Dude, the crowd went insane for the, when those two guys came out. I mean, the yeah, crowd was hot all night. Yeah, that's all I have notes wise. So, hope you enjoyed that small half an hour or so of this section of the episode. Again, part two is with our guest Richard DeGroat, the technical project manager for Ballstar. Thank you again for listening, and please remember to hit us up on the mailbag at our Gmail at pa turnpod at gmail.com. That's where you can comment. Of have any suggestions, tell us we suck, whatever the case may be, you can hit us up there or you can slide into the DMs and follow us on Instagram at PA underscore turnpod, all one word, follow us. And our goal is to get 100 followers because if we get 100 followers there, we'll do a special episode just for you, the listeners. And lastly, if you're on Apple Podcasts, can you give us a five-star rating and all reviews especially if they're funny, will be read on air as soon as we can on the next episode. So again, thank you for listening. Part two is coming up next with our guest, Richard DeGroat. Thank you.